appreciate our seniors, our instrument players. God bless them tonight. If you don't appreciate them, let them know. Let me know, and I'll sing for you. <laughs> You'll really appreciate them. I promise you. <laughs> Micah, seventh chapter. Seven and eight. Michael, the seventh chapter, seven and eight, two verses. Probably going to really slow down a little bit tonight. And we look at this. We're going to go back and lay a foundation from the previous chapters and some statements that Michael was moved upon as the author of this book. Minor prophet speaking to the southern part, to Judah, most part. But here, these two verses is you hear pretty often. You'll be familiar with them. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall. There's going to be those times. There's going to be those moments when it's going to happen. I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. While you're standing, I'd really like to say this. This is not really the message. How many of you feel like that you're probably going to fail between now and maybe glory? Come up short. How many of you just as confident that you shall rise? See, that's the key. Right, put it, put it plain to us that... Hey, that's going to happen. We're just earthen vessels. We're going to come up short. We're going to drop the ball at times, maybe not handle some things as well as we would like or respond to some situations as well as we would like. But don't rejoice against me, O enemy. I shall rise. We need to have as much, if not more, confidence that God's going to help me and God's going to pick me up. And God's going to help me finish this race. God's going to help me become that complete product, finished product that he'd have me to be. For that's what this is all about. Regardless of what comes and goes on this earth and what happens and what we have to face. And I'm, I'm going to focus on some of that tonight. Because Michael had to face some things. He had to deal with some issues and situations. And he could have easily... Begin to kind of put himself and isolated himself, but he didn't do it. Man, he just put his trust in God, trust in the God of his salvation. Amen, that he would hear him when he would pray, and he would come to his rescue. Lord, we love you tonight and appreciate you in this house. 
We're so thankful for your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. We appreciate and thank you, God, for the opportunity. We ask you to help us here tonight. Help us preach the word. Help us give instructions out of this book that needs to be spoken. We find its place in the heart and the souls and the minds and the very spirit of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this assembly tonight. We ask you, God, to anoint it. We give you the glory. We give you the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. actually a two or three different directions out of these two verses I'd like to address, but we'll try not to do that. But it's going to take longer just kind of laying a foundation, kind of uh, go back and rehearse what Michael in his writings of where he's at, what he was dealing with. In fact, as I began to study this out and look back at it, I couldn't help but feel, and you'll see sometimes I'll try my best to bring out a few scriptures from Isaiah and from Ezekiel and Jeremiah that found themselves in the same place as Micah. But I can see us, maybe not as a prophet necessarily, but of our time and generation and where our political leaders are at, where a lot of those that's holding positions and headship and things of that nature and their conduct and their willingness. Uh, I've heard a lot in the last few years, something I never heard in my grammar or teenage years. And it might have been said, but maybe I wasn't paying attention, but... But really, I didn't hear it until really the last few years, maybe the last decade at the most. Uh, hearing statements that uh, they're selling us out. You talk about our political world and things that's happening, unfolding. And a lot of that blows my mind. And, and you know how I feel about it. And if I had the authority, the power, the position... Uh, not one acre of this American ground would be sold to a foreign country for any reason whatsoever. No purpose. I, I would just be one of the laws, one of the rules. I'd just be a settled deal, no matter if it's private or public land. It couldn't be sold, and it couldn't be sold underhanded. If it was, and we found out, we'd take it from everybody. Amen. Give it to somebody we could trust and rely upon and we would keep this American soil under the leadership and under the hands of uh, what the Constitution and what it, the founders and the forefathers had set it up to to accomplish and what was set up to fulfill and the purpose of it but as you go back and look at Micah if you go back and Lord knows I can't cover all the next the previous six chapters Amen. But uh, I want to just pull out a few verses tonight. And uh, I'm just going to take a little time. And, but I'd like to, my best to try to paint to you a picture here. Where Micah's at. And what he's having to deal with. And the time that he's in. If, if you're waiting for the hour. Now I believe in a revival. I believe that multitudes are going to come. But those multitudes are never reach the multitudes that's going the other direction. 
okay? I mean, it's just not scripturally sound. Amen. Not when you include the whole world and all the nations and all of people. Amen. So if you're, you're, if you're waiting for that moment or for that hour that the majority is going to agree with you, you're going to be in trouble. You, you've got to reach a point place in your own heart, mind, and spirit that I'm going to live for God regardless if nobody else lives for God or not. I'm going to do right at, at the job or in the place of business or at the home. Man, regardless if anybody else does it or not. I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I distance myself from certain activities. And I'm not going to get lured or, or drawn astray into those conversations or ways. I'm, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to purpose in my mind and spirit. Hey, I'm going to live for you, God, to the best of my ability. And, and regardless, and, and hopefully, prayerfully, the whole family does. And hopefully, prayerfully, we can win as many souls that we can possibly win. And, and that 300 wouldn't be nothing. We could run 3,000. But if we run and get down to 30, I still want to live for God. We get down to three, I still want to live for God. If the whole system and everybody around us begins to sell themselves out and give themselves over to things that are so unrighteous and so ungodly, I want to have enough in me, enough of the love of God and the love of truth and enough, enough drive in me, that, amen, that I will live for God. I will never forget a statement that Sister Hovind said to and I hadn't been in church long, but I heard him make this statement, not quite understanding the statement at that time. Amen. But now as you get older and you watch the benefits of living for God and uh, the beauty of it, the cleanness of it, the wholesome of it, the healthiness of it, uh, living for God and uh, keeping ourselves from certain activities and keeping ourselves from being drawn and pulled into and things that are unwholesome and ungodly and uh, but uh, she made the statement. She said, this is a good life to live. She said, this is a good life to live if they wasn't a heaven or if they wasn't a hell. So this is a good life to live right here. Amen. It can't be topped. It can't be topped. Now that's the spirit and that's the, that's the attitude. That's the passion, the love that you and I need to acquire. If we haven't, I'm not saying you haven't. I'm saying, but that's the place you and I've got to get. We can't be living for God because we fear hell. And we fear, fear amen, the lake of fire. We fear judgment. That can't be what's the driving factor for us. But there's got to be the love of God and the ways of God. This is something I've focused on in prayer Amen. That I hope to portray unto our children, to even the young ones, to our young adults. Amen. Tonight. In fact, we're going to focus on them a little bit tonight. Amen. To try to put something into their hearts and to put into their spirit because they're going to face a world that you and I and those that are older than I am has never faced. They're going to face some oppositions. They're going to face some spirits. They're going to face some very challenging times. Uh, one time I can remember, and many of you will remember, amen, at school and places of that nature. Who'd ever dream when we went to grammar school that you'd see the day that you'd have to have a lawman at the, at the schools? 
You'd see the day that you'd have to build certain buildings so you could mash a certain button and lock it up. And you'd have to go through protocol that you couldn't just come through the door and then get your kids and go home. You'd have to meet certain requirements. And then you have to have a list. And not just any and everybody can come and get those kids. Somebody's aunt or uncle that was a community deal and they knew one another. And it would be a big deal to get so-and-so to go by and pick up your kid, which that never happened anyway. I don't ever remember getting checked out of school early. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Maybe we some bad mama said you keep them as long as you can keep them. Now, amen. Of course, we never, we rode that yellow bus from the first day until the last day of the senior year. Amen. They didn't have to worry about having a big parking lot. It didn't look like the colleges when you pulled up to it. So, I mean, the world's changed, I understand, but it's not changed so much to the good. Amen. The dangers that they're facing, the, the opportunities that are there before them today, amen, to, to bombard them, to attack them, to overpower them by force and by authority. And so uh, I'm just trying to lay some groundwork here and to get us to understand is which we look back at Micah now and we watch him at his life. And here he is. Uh, many believe the first verse talks about who he was and a man where he came from. And, and when it does, it talks about him. Talks, they actually say that he, the Moraites, a man that was basically, it was about 24 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it was a place it was a village but it was an agricultural village and so it wasn't like you know he was out of some big city it wasn't out that he was out of some big well-known family or something of that nature in fact that's about all we do know about him he mentions that in the first verse and so they done a little study on the geographical location and so that's the reason they was able to pull what information they got of, of Micah here and uh, so uh, as you watch him as he begins to address his situation. He begins to address, amen, the condition and the spiritual condition. And it's not just a spiritual condition. It's a political, a government, amen, rulers of his nation, of his 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 families and, and his, his place where he was abode and lived and what was going to be the outcomes that he's going to bring. And Lord knows I won't bring all the verses, but quite a few that he addresses, amen, and talks about, especially in the first few chapters, the first three chapters in fact when you get to the fourth and fifth chapter he actually talks about the millennium he talks about that hope he kind of kind of sandwiches that in between in this particular writings of this particular letter but we're going to look at the first three chapters and certain verses out of those chapters and he begins to address and helps us to to realize what he was facing who he was facing the the powers and the authorities that were warring against what should unfold and and so you know uh, as we watch some of this, I'm getting at in, uh, Micah 1 and 5, and there he says, For the transgressions of Jacob is all this, that for all the sins of the house of Israel. What, amen, is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? 
Therefore, I will make Samaria as a keep of the field. Amen. And as a planting of a vineyard. I will pour down, amen, the stones thereof into the valleys. And I will discover the foundations thereof. So he's basically saying to telling them that God is a voice of God's going to come. And he's going to tear these cities down. He's going to tear these places down. Right down to the foundation. He's going to plow them up and split the valleys. He's going to break them up and, and things of this nature. He goes on and says, all the graven, and now he gives us a reason in this verse here in verse 7. For all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. So he begins to help us to get an insight of what they was worshiping. What they had given themselves unto. What they began to allow that just wasn't in the high places and in hidden places and in, in closets, but now openly and revealed and all that was getting caught up and drawn into it. The graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces and, and all the hires, hires thereof shall be burnt. Amen. And, and all, with fire and all the idols thereof shall be laid desolate for she gathered it of the hire of an harlot. Amen. And they shall return the hire of an harlot. And so we see this and we know throughout the Old Testament how often God would use these particular terms. Amen. If it wasn't just performed, it was probably performed in the natural but yet so much more in the spiritual realm of committing this amen against God and any time they would bow to any type of idol any other type of form of worship amen and love those things more than they loved God it was likened unto adultery it was likened amen unto fornication amen and so we see this as we begin to look at this the hire of a, of a whore amen and what would take place and happen there and when you move from that and go down to the 8th verse you're going to begin to see there therefore will I wail and how talking about himself now he's talking about amen how that the signs of mourning and the effect it's had upon him first before he ever writes a letter before he ever sends it to, to the leadership before he ever starts proclaiming it and announcing it to all the others this is what happens to him this is what gets a hold of him as God has revealed this and showed him the spiritual condition and the, the condition of the nation that he was living in at this point in time in his life he says I will howl amen and I would go stripped and naked. You can go to Isaiah 22. You can see there again the likeness of this with Isaiah talking about being naked, talking about being barefooted. These are signs of mourning. These are signs of getting beyond and beside yourself of, of the condition and the spiritual condition of the people that was supposed to be God's people. A God-fearing people, a God-loving people, a God-caring people. But here they were, amen, to give themselves over to idols. They give themselves over to unwholesome and ungodly ways. He said, I'll be wailing, amen, like the dragons, and mourning lies the owls. For her wound is incurable. In other words, she's done reached a point and a place, amen, that there's no healing here. There's no returning. There's no transforming. No judgment's got to come. Amen. The acts of God has got to move upon this situation and this dilemma, amen. If you do a study on the kings for Israel and for Judah, Israel didn't have no righteous king at all. Amen. And Judah only had a handful of righteous kings. So they was very proud and subject, amen, to sin and to the nature of sin and giving themselves over to unrighteousness and ungodliness. And this, this is a repeat time and time and time again. And so as you watch him, as he talks about this wailing morning, amen, he, he likens it, amen, to the wolves. 
He likens it unto the hyenas, amen, when they would scream and holler, even in the likeness of an infant child that's been abandoned, that's been left alone, the wailing and the crying. And so that's what Micah's talking about. This is what he had already experienced. This is what it went through, amen, as he saw the condition, amen, and the way that they was conducting themselves. You look at Jeremiah 8 and 22, and he talks about it. He said, is there not bomb in Gilead, amen, is there no physician? there. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I'm really concerned, amen, because you know what? I want the Holy Ghost in Bendale, Mississippi like never before. I want the power and the presence of God in our midst. I don't want to just wait, amen, to Wednesday night or Sunday morning to Sunday night and think God just going to magically move upon us. I don't want to treat him like a spare tire, amen, on Mondays and Tuesdays and then walk in here on Wednesday night and think, no, hallelujah, if he didn't show that mercy and grace and he didn't let Ezra get by with neither she's gonna let you and I but hey I want to build a fellowship with him I want to build a companionship with him I want to know him and the riches and the powers and the demonstration of his divine love amen I don't believe he can ask of us too much I don't believe us too great of a sacrifice I don't believe us too much a separation I don't believe it's too hard to live for God I don't believe amen to getting ourselves sanctified and separated from the pull of the world and the things of the world is too much to ask of us I don't believe that. I believe it's God's heartbeat and will and our desire to have a love for him, to have communication with him, to talk to him on a daily basis, to make contact with him, to have fellowship with him. Amen. We know in Genesis, amen, we believe he had contact and fellowship with Adam and Eve on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Amen. Because that's what he created it for. That's what he formed him for. But Jeremiah here talks about it. He said, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughters of our people recovered? I want to see some miracles. I want to see some of this assembly, amen, being recovered and being made victorious. I don't believe it's God's will for, for us. And, and please, nobody, I'd be offensive here. But as a shepherd of this place, I carry on that responsibility. Amen. It's those that are sick and afflicted among them. Amen. That, that ought not be. It's, it's just not a common thing to have sheep always sickly and always under some, some form or type of sickness. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe it's God's will to give us health and strength and energy. I know we're getting older, but you know what? I believe God can preserve us. I believe God can energize us. I believe God can give us. If you don't believe that, you ought to listen to Bishop Odom. Amen. It's pushing his 80s. Amen. It still has the power and the ability to teach and preach. He can go two hours. Amen. At times with God's favor and his appearance. Amen. I'm telling you, there's some benefits in living for God. There's some benefits having the right frame of mind and the right relationship with God. Make sure he's right in the right position in your heart. In the right position in your attitude and your spirit. That the house of God is not just another place that I come and visit with the kids. The house of God is not just another place I come and visit with my neighbor. The house of God is not just another place that I come and find another freebie, amen, because I don't want to go to hell. I'll tell you, God knows the difference. Hallelujah, true worshipers and those are selling out, amen, and God knows it all. I may not know it, but God knows it. 
We may be just a little country church, but God wants to be the God of this church as any big church you can think of. God wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. God wants to baptize people with the Holy Ghost. God wants to give us miracles and wonders of sign. God wants to deliver the alcoholic. God wants to deliver the druggie. God wants to do mighty and great things in Bendale, Mississippi. God to help us. God to help us. And I can't change everybody. But I want this place to be a place that people want to come. They want to come and worship. They want to come and have fellowship. And it's not because we're compromising. And it's not because we're having, having cookies and milks all the time. But it's because of God. And the presence of God. And the power of God. Amen. But tell you what. You get the power of God flowing in this thing on a regular basis. It won't be a non-common thing for us to be here to 10, 11 o'clock. We won't want to leave. But neither will we be wanting amen just to stop service so we can fellowship. I tell you something, the Holy Ghost kind of smoked me. Maybe it's just me. I asked God, I asked God to help me today. God help me. Maybe I'm, a, I'm just a little overbearing. Maybe I'm just a little too foggy. Maybe I don't know. Amen. But you know what? Praise God. We ought not be so rushed on Wednesday nights that we can stand around and talk and life and carry on an hour or two after service. And if we can't handle about an hour of teaching and preaching. I'm not, again, I'm not throwing, I'm just telling us this is where our passions, our hunger, our thirst. Amen. Young people, let me tell you something. This is the best life there is to live. It really is. It's nothing great. Don't, don't, I'm telling you, sin is not the biggest deal you might think it is. That world out there, that, that junk out there, it's, it's not what you think it is. But as we, we move on from this and we see Isaiah 36 and 1. As he talks about it here. He says, now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. That Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. I want you to remember that. All defense cities of Judah. Sennacherib had took them already. Now there's still one left. One city that hasn't been overcome. Hasn't been defeated. But he had the rest of them. And so. As you watch Micah. When he goes to the second chapter. And this is where he really begins to help us. Understand why. They was in the condition. That they was in. He says. Woe to them. That device iniquity. That work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light. They practice it. Because it is in their power. Of their hand. Because they hold the position. They hold the office. They have the power and the authority. To cause it to happen. To take place. And so they lay. In the bed at night time. In their own minds, 
their own hearts. They tried to devise means and ways to take places and homes. Listen to me. That they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. I've heard some saying here even lately about our own government. They're gonna, they want them. They're going to come get them. They're going to come take them. I don't know what all is going to happen there. But you and I can't just seem to think, well, everything's going to be hunkadory and everything's going to be, and you know, our day's coming. Our hour's coming. To see how we're going to handle it and how we're going to. How are we going to respond to it? And, and the bottom line, as I titled this tonight, I had a little trouble doing that. I wanted to title it so many different things. <laughs> I wrote one thing, scribbled it out, wrote something else, scribbled it out. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. Regardless of how it goes, regardless of what we face, we're going to have to reach a point in place. We're going to trust God. Regardless of the pain, regardless of the direction of our political world, our government, our families and individuals. Now watch, watch what unfolds here. I don't have to scream and holler to make this, do I? Can I just watch what he says here? Say, covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they, they oppress a man in his house and even a man in his heritage. Remember that heritage. You remember Naboth? You remember Ahab? You remember he had a vengeance that was next to his and he wanted to work up a deal with him? Told him, hey, I'll, I'll trade you out. I'll give you money for it. But Naboth said, no. Said, and it wasn't nothing to do with Ahab. It, now, it, the whole deal was this is an inheritance. God doesn't give me the right to give up this inheritance. Young people, I'm going to tell you something. God's blessed you with some precious things. And you and I don't have the right to give it up at whatever cost. At whatever price, you don't have a right to give it up. You hold on to it. You cling to it. Don't listen to the world and the pull of the world. So if you want to go back, and you go back and look at some of that. And you'll see in Jeremiah, amen. But as you go through this, you're going to see, amen, that uh, they, they, therefore thus saith the Lord, behold, against this family do I devise an evil. From which ye shall not remove your necks. Neither shall ye go haltily. For this time is evil. It's going to come a time. It's going to come an hour. This family, you're not going to be able to move. I'm going to put you in that place. I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that. Will you go to Micah 2 and 6? Prophesy ye not. Now watch this. This is the people. The leadership. The people's telling the prophets not to prophesy. False prophets has got two Two obligations. Number one, a man to prophesy against truth. And number two, a man is to persuade the people about evilness and wickedness. And everything's all right just the way you're living. Just the way you're handling things. You're going to be all right. Everything's going to work out. <laughs> you can just live any old way and do any old way. But here you're going to see a man prophesy ye not. Say they to them that prophesy. They shall not prophesy to them, but they shall not take shame. In other words, he's telling them, don't prophesy to them. Keep them, keep them quiet. Shut them down. Amen. Because we, we know they wouldn't shame because when true prophecy comes, it's like the word of God. It's like coming to Jesus Christ. It's like the light bug. 
Have you ever been just reading the word of God and, and all of a sudden something just leaped off of them scriptures? It's like somebody turned on the light bulb. And you're thinking within yourself, oh my goodness, Lord. i got to repent, God. I've never, I didn't realize that. I, I hadn't seen that. Hey, God loves us enough. He'll work with us like that. If you're depending on just what you hear from this pulpit to get you to heaven, you may be in trouble. <laughs> well, there's some personal times that you need to spend with that book. That God can reveal some things to you on a personal basis. Reveal and open some things up to you that, uh, that no matter how often the preachers preached it, that light just don't come on. When you make your way, and I know I'm still laying the foundation, but when you make the way to the third chapter, so I'm, I'm bypassing some scriptures, some verses, but when you go to Micah 3, and I said, Here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? You know, you, I mean, these, these individuals don't make it the positions they're in. Without having some form of judgment and some insight of education and leadership ability. You, you know, you know. But watch what he says from that. Who hate the good and love the evil. Who pluck off their skin from off them. And their flesh from off their bones. Now folks... I don't listen to a lot of stuff out there. I don't get on the phone. I don't look up a podcast and a lot of things of individuals. But I've heard from others. And how true it is and whatever, just take it with a grain of salt. But you'd be shocked at what some of the things they've said about some of your presidents and their wives. And places they got where they actually skinned young girls alive. And they drank their blood under certain pain and certain settings because supposedly it gives them youth and gives them life. When I read that scripture right there, it may not be as far off as you and I might think. We might all be shocked if we really knew what all goes on from the White House down with humanity and human trafficking that takes place. I have been told by some, some of the law enforcements and those that's involved in it, I-10s watch more for human trafficking than speeders. They're looking for certain automobiles and cars trying to stop them. Shipping them out from Mexico and up and through up through Florida and up through the East Coast. Uh, selling them out to some of your most rich, dominant people in this world. To become as slaves. Again, you take it. But I'm going to tell you something. God sees it all. And God knows it all. What I'm trying to get us to understand tonight. Some of the principles that this nation was built and founded upon. It's cracking. It's tumbling out. And the young generation that I'm talking about here tonight, these little babies, moms and dads, 
you better start bottling up some prayers. If you hadn't been taken to heart and taken in sincerity into your heart, mind, and spirit about your babies, you better, you better wake up. You better get a real stir in your heart. And the life you're living in that living room and in those bedrooms, it better not be contrary to what's here. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're jeopardizing them. You don't, you don't put it in them to pray. You just let them do what they want to do, and they don't have to pray, and they don't have to be a part of it. I tell you, you're setting them up for failure. You're setting them up, amen, to be drawn and pulled. They don't have a chance, hardly. Because I'm telling you, your darlings, amen, is a prized possession of the enemy. The prized possession, they're the trophies of the devil himself. He wants them one God apostolic kid. God is calling on you and I as mom and dad. Make sure we're doing our part to protect them and plead the blood and live the life before them. Now the devil's got more avenues into our home than he's ever had. Back in the 30s and 40s and whatever. Those old men that most of them couldn't read. Most of them didn't have educations. But they made a stand against Hollywood when everybody else was taking it in. And now if we're not careful, some of ours is wanting to take it in and some of your good old denominal churches is wanting to do away with it. Getting this thing backwards. I'm telling you, the world we're living in is more of a resemblance of what Michael was living in than what we realize. So we've got to have the spirit and the attitude of Michael about living for God and about serving God. Who also eat the flesh, third verse, of my people. Was that literal? Could have been. Play their skin from off them. And they break their bones and chop them in pieces. As for the pot, as the flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord. But he will not hear them. Listen, this is their form of worshiping. This is what they give themselves. And then they want to come to the tabernacle. They want to come to the temple. And they want to call on God. They want to cry out to him. Or when some of their own's in trouble. I'm telling you, living a holy life makes all the difference in the world. When you get in a bind. When you need a God. And everybody's going to need God sooner or later. Nobody's exempt. If you live life long enough upon this earth, there's going to be a day when you're going to need God to step in. He says that he will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. I could carry it to Romans 1 and Romans 2, but I won't do it. Even David, David, man, when you begin to look at some of what he's saying here, they are all going aside. Talks about of his time and, and is observing and the world itself and uh, you know man I, I hate to, I hate to be like this in some ways I really do uh, man you, you're talking to everybody out there everybody's Christians everybody's going to heaven 
Man, everybody's better off, man. They're better off than they were. Some of them's never been to church. Some of them. I've had them come in that store. Man, I'm living the dream. I'm on top of the world. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So strung out, they don't even know who they are. I'm praying, God, somehow help us. How can we touch them? How can we get a hold of them? I know I mentioned, and I feel it now, so I'm going to mention it again. I mentioned this morning about the multicolor. We got several of their spiritual leaders comes into that hardware store on a regular basis. You'd be shocked the lives they lived. Mary. Ace one. I don't know how many times he'd been married. I don't know how much he'd been shacking up. I don't know. I do know he went to Tennessee. Married one up there, did stay for a few weeks. And he slips out, comes home, and divorces, divorce her over the phone. <laughs> and that's their spiritual leaders. He's the one that told them the other day, said, hey, you ain't going to wait till wintertime to baptize them. You get them all lined up. We're going to baptize them before it gets wintertime. Now, that may not affect some of us. But as a minister of this gospel and God put me in this community, it bothers me. It stirs me up. Because I understand and realize, God, if there's any way we can touch them, we need to touch them. Any way that we can get a hold of them, we need to get a hold of them. They need to know about this God. They need to know about this gospel. They need to have an opportunity to be redeemed and atoned and delivered. They're never going to get it from that spiritual leadership. Amen. They think that's fine because if, if my preacher can live that way, then I can live that way. My preacher can conduct that way and live that way, then I can do that. Tell you, that's one problem with the church of today. It's got to fall back on the shoulders of ministry. Amen. We got to walk like a minister, talk like a minister, act like a minister, live like a minister. We got to live at a higher level, higher responsibility that's upon us. So it's Michael. David talks about it in Psalms 14, 3 and 4. They're all going aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And I know, I know we could talk about this Messiah. And all of this is about the Messiah. And search and wouldn't be found. Understand that. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge. Catch that. He's asking this question way back then. All the workers of iniquity have no knowledge. You listen. Pay attention. Ask them. You ready to go to heaven? You know God, you ready? You'd be shocked. It's been several years now, but one of the statistics is put out. That it's in the 90s percent of the American people feel like they're ready to go to heaven. 
I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. But what I am trying to get us to understand, we're living in a world today that's so blinded that any old way of doom, any old lifestyle of doom, Go to the sixth chapter. Four and five dealt with millennium time and gave great hope there. Let's go to the sixth chapter. When you go to the sixth chapter and start about the third verse, it's kind of a court time that God's going to bring them into court and He's going to ask them and question them. And He says, Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? Wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. Let's go for the next two or three verses. I didn't write them all down. Let's. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. I sit before thee Moses and Aaron and Miriam. The next verses talks about Balaam. It talks about how that God protected them and worked on their behalf and how God delivered them and set them free. So he's got them in court and he's questioning them. What else could I have done? How much more could I have done? Amen. As your God, as your shepherd, as the one that brought you out of Egypt, that brought you out of bondage. So he's setting all this up as, as Micah talks about it. But now he has this leadership and government and those that's full of themselves and selling themselves and, and, putting, and giving themselves over, amen, for the, to be sold out. So let's go on. Go through a few more verses. I, may, let me do this. I should have put all of them down, but I didn't do it. I, I, I just I didn't do it. Ninth verse. Let's just go to the seventh verse. I won't have enough time. Let's just go to the seventh. So now when you go to the seventh chapter and you start in on where the key verse came from. Micah 7 and 1. Micah himself says, woe is me. For I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits. When he talks about gathering the summer fruits. And the, the, the gleaners has done come through and picked it up. It's kind of like following the combine that went through Brother Jerry's cornfield after he went through, and you're going to go out there and you're going to pick, a, you know, a bunch of bushels of corn. And <laughs> hey, what nine did you pick up? That, that, that combine didn't leave any, man. It, it got it all. And so that's what he's talking about when this search was made and looking. And now that's been made, and there's, there's nothing. I couldn't find one. I can't. And it's, it's almost like after the great leaders, there is no cluster to eat. There's nothing left. They done cleaned it. They done picked. And so they then all given themselves. And I, I preached on some of this likeness here a little while back. And, and young people, let me tell you something. And I wish there were some others here tonight that would hear this and, and really get a hold of it. God's blessed you with talents and skills and ability not to use for the devil. Not to use for the world. But God's blessed you. Now God's not going to take them back. God will let you use them for the devices of the world. God will let you use them, amen, to entertain the world. God will let you use them, amen, for wickedness and darkness. But God blessed you with talents and skills and ability for his kingdom. 
for his service. But the power of choice lies within each and every one of us of what we're going to do with our lives. What we're going to give ourselves and humble ourselves into. The gifts and talents that God's blessed us, each and every one of us. And how we're going to use them for the kingdom of God, for the service of God. Amen. To do the works of the Lord that would be pleasing unto him. That would bring about his will and bring about his prayer. That's what God gave us talents and skills and abilities about. So when he talks about this, even the first fruits, one of the first scriptures you run, if you run a reference on it, is in Isaiah 28. And he talks about those first fruits. That's precious. It's the figs that becomes right in June and not August. They're precious. That's some of the, the best. So you know what, young people? Some of the best days and years that you can give God to the kingdom of God is your youth days. Is your youth time. You can settle some issues. You can, you, can, you can already put into your spirit and put into your heart and your mind, amen, who I'm going to serve. I'm going to seek him while I'm young. I'm going to seek him, amen, while he's available. I'm going to seek him while I'm tender. I'm going to seek him, amen, while I got opportunities, not other obligations. I ain't got the weight of a family. I ain't got a weight of the job. I ain't got a weight of this and a weight of that. But you know what? We're living in a generation. No, don't get mad at me. We're living in a time and a generation now that we can't even hardly get our kids through high school without they got jobs. And they get caught up in this and they get caught up in that. And they get the biggest struggle you and I've got tonight is our time. Is our time. Having quality, proper time to pray and read the Bible. And spend time with God. Those mornings whenever it just don't seem to click. But you're not pressured for time. So you can just linger around until it does. You can just keep pounding and knocking until it unfolds. But when you've got other obligations and responsibility. Your time is limited. Oh yeah we can quickly say well get up earlier. That's easy to say unless you're getting in the bed at 11 and 12. And 1 o'clock in the morning. This old earthen vessel is still an earthen vessel, buddy. And it's got to have, and, and I don't believe in that three or four hour sleep. That's a silent killer in a matter of time. It'll start showing up in your 40s and 50s. It'll start showing up. Could it be that reason some dies in the early ages of 60s? Amen. It's caused all the abuse through the years. Of doing what they wanted to do and going instead of getting what they should have. And now when they were going to be in some of the most precious people. With the knowledge and the anointing and the power of God upon their lives. To help this church. Amen. In the times of difficulties and struggles. It's you can't hardly beat experience. I don't care what anybody says. Thank God for colleges. Thank God for schools. But I'm telling you, you can't beat that guy that's been on the job for 25 and 30 years. It's got hands and spirits. It's been on the job. That's seen both the in and the out. And all the things that happened. That's the same way in the house of God. That's the same way living for God. God don't just magically give it all to us. We, Jesus had to learn things through by suffering. So do you and I. We got to learn things through suffering. We got to learn things through the school of hard knocks. We got to learn things through prayer meeting. We got to go through the process also. The younger you start, the younger you commit yourself. And you start dedicating yourself. <laughs> the 
it sure it, it eliminates that roller coaster ride, at least to a certain degree. Even when families don't do right. Moms and dads bust us up. All this other stuff happens. They still, some of them's going to survive the journey. They, some of them are going to stay the way. They, some of them are going to be committed. And that's not the ideal situation. We prefer the other. But don't, don't. <laughs> I know I'm talking mostly maybe to you a little bit here tonight in this area. But don't let that become a crutch. Don't let that become an excuse. Don't let that become what we would call a reason. That I, that's the reason I don't live right. That's the reason I can't keep my mind right. That's the reason I can't walk right. I beg the difference with you. Oh, yes, you can. See, that's what Micah is going to prove to us. Reading all the odds against him and everything working against him. Read on through it. You're going to see. I know my time's slipping on. But as you watch this seventh chapter, amen, unfold. As you watch it take place. He talks about it. He says, woe is to me. For I, for I am as when they have gathered the summon. The good man is perished out of the earth. There is none upright among men. They all lie and wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. This is their, 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 their makeup. This is their character. They couldn't trust nobody. Nobody in leadership. Nobody in any position or places like that. He says that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. With both hands. Not just one. They're so wrapped up in it. They're so caught up in it. Hey, I've heard them talked about it right here in Mississippi. Some of our own representatives. Hey, man, talk about it. If you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it. You'll get wrapped up in it. Hey, man, you got those just always trying to bribe and always wanting that because it's all about money. Having the right places and in the right positions. Hey, man, and it goes all the way to the White House. Hey, man, I'm telling you, that Hunter deal and, and your President Biden and a lot of that, others, you and all, all of us would be shocked. And let me ask you something. I had a guy that asked me the other day, hey man, it worked at Chevron. He says, I make as much as senators do. He said, I've retired now. He said, how in the world can they have millions of dollars making about 160 and 200,000 a year just like me? Where'd all that money come from? You know something else I heard? I don't know how true this all is, and I know I ought not preach it this way, but, but I'm still here to tell you. A lot of the money that's sent across them lands, everybody gets mad about it. You know why some of them does it? Because that bunch over yonder uses a little bit of it, but a lot of it goes into banks and, and goes through processes and comes right back into America. Amen. Right back into your politicians' pockets. Now, I don't know how much of all that whatever. I'm just telling you we live in a very wicked and a very evil world. And the best thing that's going for your babies is the house of God. The best thing that's going for your babies is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you it's up to you and I to train them. It's up to you and I to put it in them. It's up to you and I, amen, to live that life before them. I can preach, amen, till my tongue hangs out on a Sunday night to midnight. But if you live something different on Monday, I'm telling you it goes under the sea. It, ain't, it won't do any good. But you've got to live it on Monday. You you got to live it on Tuesday. You got to bring them back Wednesday night. Hallelujah. If you expect them to survive the journey, if you expect them to have the gumption and the backbone and the will, amen, to live godly and to live holy, you got to put it in them. So, both hands. 
Watch this. The princes ask us, and the judge asks for a reward. They're not going to judge fair. It's whoever can pay them off the most. So you can give them the most money. Boy, it's sounding more like our days all the time. He uttered his mischiefs, mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them, watch this, the best of them is as a briar. The best of them is in a briar. What does a briar do? Son, it'll prick you. It'll get a hold of you. Them grandbabies want to ride on the four-wheeler. Them briars just hanging out in them roads. They want to reach out. They think, you know, it's fun to get them. Until all of a sudden they reached up and got that briar. <laughs> Amen. They don't want to get reached out to get a hold of them. <laughs> Amen. Come on, pop. Get over it. Don't hit them briars. <laughs> Amen. Because they poke holes in you. And they hurt them. And the best one they had was like a briar always sticking. How would you like to always have to go through a briar patch? How would you like to always, every time you come to the house of God, or every time you went to take on some business, the best deal you are going to get was going to go through a briar patch? Brother Quinn, they ain't never seen briar patches, have they? Man, I've seen briar patches. I wish the helicopter to come got me. It made me want to quit deer hunting until I could get out. <laughs> them briars, when you're looking, you can't see no direction, no path. And them briars is six and seven, and I'm not exaggerating. Them things is big enough, they don't, they don't just get you. They don't just get you here, buddy. They wrap around you, wrap around your neck. I've seen us coming out, our ears bleeding, our, our, our necks bleeding, our hands pouring out blood. Hey Amen. You bunch of crazy deer hunters. Well, that's where the deer's at. You got to go in there and get them sometimes. Hey Amen. But you know what? That's what he was talking about. So pony and so always, always going to get the best end of the deal. You know, I've been told that some people, you just don't deal with them unless you just don't want to get the best end of the deal because you're not going to get it. So that's what Micah, that's what he's talking about. This is the leadership. Amen. That he's talking about. The most upright is sharper than a thorned hedge. The most upright. Sharper than a thorned edge. Huh. Fifth verse. Watch what he starts saying. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guy. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. That's pretty tough. We'll ponder that in a minute. Now you see what I'm talking about? You know what he's talking about? The word of faith. Word of faith, word of God. You had to keep it. Possibly even, amen, from the, the friend, your own son and daughter. They may rise up against and sell you out. Don't trust a God. Trust anybody. Well, Micah, what you going to do? Where are you going to turn in this dilemma, in this situation? How are you going to get out of this? And so now he picks up 
to the next two verses. And I'm, I'm going to be through in just a minute. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. Folks, we can always look unto the Lord. I really believe that we have downplayed that. I really believe if we're not careful, we, we, we kind of get to a point and place it. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. We can always look to the Lord. And when you start really looking to the Lord and calling on the Lord, God's going to show up. God's going to work for you. When nobody else can work for you, God can work for you. When they can't find no comfort and no friends and nobody else you can put your trust in, nobody else you can talk to. Amen. I mean, could it be the reason COVID come? Amen. It's because God was trying to get us to talk to him. Amen. I mean, I mean, we dealt with Come on, I'm not being ugly. I love this young people. I, I love the, amen. But you know what? Some of them went berserk. Because they couldn't connect with their friends. They couldn't, amen. It was almost, man, they just wanted to, someone wanted to commit suicide. But you know what? God was still available. God was still there. COVID didn't keep not one individual in his relationship and fellowship with God. Well, that didn't go over too good, but it's still, it is the truth. It is the truth. Because I'm telling you, we're going into a generation. You better get it made up in your own mind and heart and spirit. Hey, I'm going to run this race. I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to live this life. I don't care how much wickedness everybody else is doing. I don't care what positions they're holding. Even into my own, own home. Amen. I'm going to live this thing. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. Amen. You ever heard Taylor Fish's testimony? You'll see what I'm talking about. He made up in his mind and heart and spirit. Even though his brothers were strung out on drugs, his daddy was strung out on drugs. And he sometimes had to go and get in his own bedroom and get in his own closet to get away from Hollywood and get away from everything else. But he purposed in his mind. He purposed in his heart. I'm going to survive this thing. I'm going to come out on the other side. I'm going to let God. And you know what? That's the reason he's so far advanced. Amen. And God's using him. And God's blessing him. Amen. I'm doing great things through him and for him. But you know what? He still has to pay the price. He still has to commit himself and dedicate himself. Amen. He can't just be nonchalant. He's told us this. You and I have to have the same way. So now when you get there. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Remember another term for salvation. Deliverance. Wait for the God of my deliverance. I've done all I can do to stand. I'm going to wait on God. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to get frustrated and aggravated and start doing stupid stuff. I'm not going to stay home from the house of God for sure. Like I'm going to punish God because he hadn't showed up and done something. Yeah, man, I'm going to give you a black eye, God. <laughs> well, rejoice not against me, <laughs> oh my enemy. When I fall, why? Singers, you can come. I shall arise. I got one more verse for you tonight. Revelation. Amen. Revelation. I want to go there. I'm going to bypass a lot of scriptures. And I would have liked to went to a lot of scriptures about seeking. Things of that nature. But go to Revelations 11, 10, and 12. Amen. I know some of you have been gone. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been. I apologize to you. Maybe we'll do better next time. But please don't miss this right here. Amen. Because you're going to need it. 
Amen. In this end time, the devil's doing everything he can to trip us up, to sidetrack us. Amen. From families to individuals to ever, however you want to go about it. The generation is not going to get better. The times are not going to get better upon this earth. You're not going to get better leadership. You can vote Trump in if you want to. I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about it. But I'm just telling you that Trump is not going to get it. Amen. You hear me? This thing is going down. It's just like Micah said. She's done too far gone. She's done sold herself, too, sold herself out too far. She's done giving herself over too much. And the best thing that you and I can do now is do what Peter said on that first sermon that was preached in the New Testament church. Save yourself from this untoward generation. If I got to do it by myself or if I can do it with my family, if I can do it with a church family. But if it gets down to it, amen, God help me have the will and the desire and the passion inside of me, amen, to live this thing all by myself. Amen, to get it made up in my mind, get it made up in my heart, amen, that I'm going to live for God regardless of what comes and goes I'm going to be like amen why you can rejoice against me oh any of you want to but I, when I fall but I shall arise I'm going to get back up I'm going to get back on my feet I'm going to get a praise in my lips I'm going to get a joy in my heart I'm going to get the glory cloud shining on me it doesn't matter what I'm struggling with and what I'm battling with I'm going to win this race but I couldn't help but think Revelations, you can stand. Revelations 11 and 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. Rejoicing over them dying. Rejoicing over them being killed. Being annihilated. Making merry shall send gifts one to another. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. But after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. Hallelujah. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud. And their enemies beheld them. They watched them ascend up. They watched them after they celebrated. After for three and a half days, amen, they took pictures of them. They broadcast them, amen, across the phones and, and the computers and everywhere else all over the world, amen. These two witnesses. But all of a sudden, after three and a half days, amen, they arised up. Amen. God raised them. Hey, I'm telling you, if you'll stay faithful to God, God will raise you up. God will restore. God will pick you up. God will turn you around. But you've got to stay faithful to his word. You got to stay faithful to his commitment. You got to have it made up in your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. When I can't trust nobody else, when I don't have nobody else to go to, I'm going to go to the Lord and the Lord's going to hear me. I'm going to seek God and I'm going to find him. I'm going to find his answer. I'm going to find his direction. I'm going to find his help. Amen. In this world, the time that I'm living. God help us. Put this in these babies' heart. God help us to put it in all of our hearts. That we're going to finish this race. That we're going to make this stand. It's going to happen in a moment. It's going to happen in a twinkling in the eye. But we're going to be gone. We're going to send. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if we've been placed in the ground or if we're walking upon this earth. Amen. It's going to be payday. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth whatever you had to fight, whatever you had to struggle against. Whatever, whatever come your way. 
God's going to see me through. As they get a song and come, these altars open tonight. What about it tonight? Are you ready to ascend? Are you ready? Amen. Oh, sure, we all can do just like Micah. We could do like Isaiah. When he said in Isaiah the sixth chapter, woe is me. Amen. But then he found himself dwelling in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Sure, we can look at our society and look at our world and come up with all types of excuses. Amen. Why not to live overcoming lives and victorious lives? We can even, amen, we got to be careful not to, not to beguile, amen, or, or have a jealousy toward those out in the world that's enjoying the things of the world. No, I'd much rather enjoy the things of God. I'd much rather, amen, live for God and live, amen, in the powers of His grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Don't give me more of the world. Give me Jesus. You can take this world. You can have this world but give me Jesus let the Holy Ghost the power of God power of his love what about it young people tonight what you going to do with your gifts what you going to do with your talents what you going to do with your ability you going to waste it into the world you're going to give it to the devil or you going to give it to God the choice is yours your mama can't make it. Your daddy can't make it. I can't make it. Nobody else. That choice is going to be yours of what you give yourself to. What you humble yourself to. It's going to be your choice. It's up to you tonight. God bless you as they sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus, your name is power, your name is. Yeah. 
Every stronghold shine 
Savior and make confession. It's a done deal. You don't have to make any other kind of adjustments or anything like that. But you and I both know better by this book. So our Sunday school lesson talked about it this morning and the parables. But the end of two of those parables, he made it clear. There's going to come a day of a casting away. A day of torments. A day, a place where the worm died not. A place, a place that you and I, and this will torment us. If we don't make it now, this right here will torment us. There'll never be an exit. There'll never be. We'll know that. There'll be some there that maybe have some glimmer of hope. 
that one day it'll be over with. Because I just simply don't know. Never been taught. But that won't be true for us. There's a lot of things pulling for you now. A lot of things attacking you. Life is not nowhere near what it used to be. Even with both parents working, we still struggle to make it from paycheck to paycheck. To accomplish, to achieve the things. and What we consider a happy life or a good life. All the government's promise in the world. And I'm not here wanting to tear them down. I'm here to tell you. The best days that you and I are going to have is living for God. Getting our souls sold out. Our minds made up. I'm going to live for Jesus. I may not drive what others drive. I may not go some places others go. I may not entertain some things that others get to entertain. But on that day, in that moment, it's going to be worth it. Whatever it takes to make it. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. You may be seated. Birthdays. Let's don't forget fall festival Friday night. This coming Friday night. Invite some. Uh, uh, Sister Mallory. That's right. Okay. Amen. Also, we won't have a fire. <laughs> I might do something to help that area. Uh, I'll see. But anyway, so we can still maybe roast some marshmallows or something. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that'll work out. Okay? Uh, so, anyway, so, Brother Jerry, you don't have to worry about getting the wood and all that good stuff. But uh, anyway. But invite somebody. Come, let's have a good time. Uh, I'll have some bouncers and different things, activities going on. And uh, especially a good time for our children, for them to come and enjoy themselves. And, and so let people know, plan to come, plan to come be a part of it. Okay? All right. Birthdays. All right. Got a host, haven't we? Amen. All's here except for Sister Liz. So let's sing happy birthday. All the rest of them. Man, I'd have been up here. <laughs>
Give them a hand. All right. Amen. Yeah. Should have grabbed two baskets, huh? <laughs> Anniversaries. All month we've been waiting. <laughs> Praise God. them a good hand tonight don't forget Wednesday night children's church it's camouflage it's going to be warriors amen so please all that's coming dress in your camouflage and come be a part of it invite others don't forget about the phones and iPads if if you know some and they got to bring them to notify their parents make sure they give them to brother Braden or sister Savannah so they won't be a become a distraction okay all the rest of you, don't let your children have them. They don't need it to text you and call you. you close enough. They can come running over here and get you, okay? All right. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.